Welcome to Sacred CEO, the podcast where visionary women learn to be bold with their voice and become the sacred six and seven figure CEOs of their businesses and lives. I'm your host, Dr. Claudia, former Ivy League trained professor turned business coach for women with a big message and a big story to share and whose ideas don't fit neatly into a box and maybe even challenge the status quo. My mission is to teach women how to find and unleash their voice, share it unapologetically and make money while building real wealth. You'll hear solo episodes and interviews on topics such as business, spirituality and relationships. We'll talk about all the things that women are not supposed to talk about, such as unapologetic self-expression, confidence and magnetism, money, wealth and power, so that we can explore what it truly means to be a woman with a voice today. Let's dive in because it's time to get unleashed. Loves, I'm so excited for today's interview. I seriously have no words to describe the magnitude of this woman and the impact that she's had on my life for many years before and even after this interview was recorded precisely because of what she shares in our conversation. For those of you who don't know her, Barbara Hewson, some of you might also know her as Barbara Staney, is a financial therapist and wealth coach for women. She's an author, a spiritual teacher and a thought leader on matters of women, money and wealth. She is the leading authority on women, wealth, and power. As a best-selling author, financial therapist, teacher, and wealth coach, Barbara has helped millions take charge of their finances and their lives. Barbara's background in business, her years as a journalist, her master's degree in counseling psychology, her extensive research, and her personal experience with money give her a unique perspective and make her the foremost expert on empowering women to live up to their financial and personal potential. Barbara is the author of seven books. Her newest is called Rewire for Wealth. My personal favorite is Sacred Success. And I took my own baby steps to financial empowerment many years ago by reading her book, Secrets of Six Figure Women. I do recommend that you read all of Barbara's books. In addition, she has a women-only virtual membership that you can join called The Wealth Connection. And if you go to her website, which will be linked in the show notes, you also get to access a free workshop called What No One Ever Tells Us, Four Surprising Keys to Financial Success, which covers the four keys that allowed Barbara herself along with millions of other women to go from financial stability or even financial scarcity to affluence and having more than enough. I seriously cannot wait for you to listen to this interview. So here it goes. Welcome Barbara to the Sacred CEO podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So I'm so excited for a conversation. Um, Of course, uh, I've read your books and the women in my audience have read your books as well. And there's so many topics that we could talk about. And you're this amazing thought leader on the topic of money, especially money for women. And I'm especially interested in uh, the book that you wrote on sacred success and how you've really developed that vision, almost like beyond the topic of money to really step into a higher dimension 
beyond money where money becomes a channel for something greater and I would love for you to start with that a little bit so let me be clear I'm a financial therapist and wealth coach and I've been doing it for almost 40 years and really it's not the money I'm interested in. it's helping women create wealth it's helping women in order to create wealth it's not the money. It's not about amassing money. It's who you have to become to be a container that can attract, that can hold and to grow your money. So that's what I'm about. So what was the question again? <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit more about like how money becomes a vehicle mm -hmm. to creating wealth and also why is wealth important apart from the obvious right like why is it such a, a powerful channel to allow us to expand into maybe who we are truly meant to be because it's not about our problems with money okay let me start here when i wrote my first book long long ago 27 years ago and it's still selling which is pretty amazing prince charming isn't coming how women get smart about money and i wrote it because my life was a financial mess. <laughs> I was in my 40s. I knew nothing about money. Uh, I grew up wealthy. The only advice my father ever gave me about money was don't worry, which I thought was great advice. Because under those words was the assumption there would always be a man, and there always was. First there was my father, and then there was my husband, who was a stockbroker. So he was perfect, right? But what I found out very early in my marriage is he was a compulsive gambler. And I find out every year, many times a year, for 15 years that he was gambling my money, my inheritance. And I continued to let him manage it because that's how terrified I was and intimidated by anything financial. Finally, after 15 years, we got a divorce. And I decided money is not my thing. I do not want to deal with money. Well, I had this theory. If you don't deal with your money, your money will deal with you. And in the next year, I got tax bills for almost $2 million for back taxes my ex did pay, didn't pay, for illegal deals he got us on. And, and of course, my signature was on everything, but my ex had left the country. I did not have a million dollars, nowhere close to it. And my father would lend me the money. And that's when I knew I had to get smart. So I did what you're supposed to do. I read the books. I went to classes and my brain would fog over and my eyes would glaze over. I just felt terminally stupid. But I had three daughters, young daughters. One was just a baby. I was not going to raise those girls on the street. I knew I had to get smart about money. I knew it. I didn't know what to do. But I really believe that when you make a commitment, a down to your toes commitment, the universe revolves help you reach your goal. Mm -hmm. And I was a journalist writing for the San Francisco Business Times and I got hired. I mean, out of the blue, I got hired to interview for a freelance project to interview women who were smart with money. And those interviews changed my life. I not only got smart about my money, but I wrote my first book, Prince Charming, and suddenly I'm off. And one of the things I realized seven books later, but I realized this very early, is that women's difficulties with money is not, is rarely anything to do with money. It is their fear of or ambivalence about power. Like take my 
my marriage to my gambling husband. I had the money, but he had the power because I let him make all the decisions. And so really creating wealth is about taking your power back. And I describe a powerful woman as someone who knows who she is, who knows what she wants and expresses that in the world unapologetically. So essentially our fear of power is our fear of being all of who we're meant to be, of speaking up, saying what we want instead of watering ourselves down so we don't make waves. Mm. So that was a very long answer to your question. I loved it. I love long answers. And then, you know, it's a long answer because there are real reasons why women are afraid of their power and are afraid to be fully self-expressed and are afraid to handle money as well. Why do you think, I'm sure you have, you know, you have thought about this a lot, but why do you think the main reason, what do you think the main reason is for for this fear that women have of their own power? Because for centuries, women were burned at the stake. Powerful women were burned at the stake. Our history is full of how we have suffered dire consequences, how we have been punished for being powerful. So it is part of our collective unconsciousness. And I swear that is shifting. That is absolutely shifting. And that's why I am so profoundly passionate about helping women create wealth because it's really about helping them reclaim their power. So good. And so permission giving as well, because so many women also, and this is another big topic, feel bad about themselves because they don't know how to handle money or because they made bad financial decisions or because they outsource their power in general and with money while there are very real reasons, intergenerational reasons, that's what you're saying, for us not being afraid of our own power. It's not just we are lacking. Yeah, no, we're 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 scared. And um it's just part of looking for safety. So what was the question in that? No, I was just like commenting okay. on what you were yeah. saying. And then um and I love how transparent you are with your story because it's also so so permission giving and so telling of you know the fact that we go through all these stages and these hard lessons and we need to hear it from someone who has been there to then learn to to do to take a different path uh with money so even like the title of your first book Prince Charming Isn't Coming is very telling how did you come up with the title I came how I came up with a title I don't know I knew I wanted to write this book and I was writing it and I had no title and one night one night I was lying in bed and I kind of squeezed it out of my brain. I said, I, I got to get a title. And it was Prince Charming Isn't Coming. And my agent, my publisher, um, uh, my publisher hated it. They fought to change it because they thought it sounded like a romance book, a romance novel. Yeah. But I won. We kept it. And, uh, and that's really what it is. And Prince Charming does not have to be a man. Yeah. Prince Charming can be anything we think will rescue us financially. It could be a lottery. It could be a rich uncle. It could be a job. It could be just an amorphous something. I remember interviewing for my next book, Secrets of Six Figure Women, interviewing a woman who made, this was in the year 2000, made over $700,000 a year 
plus bonuses. And she said to me, Barbara, I feel like a, I feel one step away from a refrigerator curtain on the street. I said, how is that possible? She said, I, I my biggest investment were shoes in Neiman Marcus. I just figured she had this magical thinking that someone would come along and rescue her. And she was in her 50s and she had nothing saved for, for retirement. And so wealth does not come from what you earn. Wealth comes from what you do with what you earn. It mm -hmm. comes not from what you bring in. It comes from what you keep. And what are some um, tips that you would give to someone who's like, let's say, let, let's say that they're great at making money, and but they have no clue where to start in terms of investing, in terms of actually building wealth. Where can they start from? Um, yeah, from there. Where can they start really taking care of their financial future? There's a, what I call the four rules of wealth. Yeah. These are the rules you follow in this order to create wealth. First, you spend less. Two, you save more. Three, you invest wisely. And four, you give generously. In that order, we women have the giving generously part down path, but giving generously without saving more without spending less than you have, without saving more than you need, and without investing in assets that grow faster than inflation and taxes can take it away. If you start giving before you do these things, you jeopardize, not only do you jeopardize your future security, but you diminish the impact that you can make with your money. So generally speaking, those that's how you do it. And why is the order important? Why not like be like, oh, instead of saving, I'm going to invest first? Well, you need money to invest. Where are you going to get it? You're going to get it by spending less than you bring in and saving more. Because you investing in assets like stocks and bonds, real estate, that's really good. That's how wealth is created. But you also need savings. Mm -hmm. You also need cash savings. And how do you get that savings? By spending less. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then, um, you know, there's, there's, you know, the the millionaire next door, you know, this trope of like, you know, they don't live lavishly, but uh, they're, they're really building that, that wealth. And so your first book was Prince Charming Wasn't Coming and then Secrets of Six Figure Women. How did you get to that from Prince Charming Isn't Coming? <laughs> so I wrote for Charming is Incoming, and I had this great new career traveling all over the country and doing financial education for women. It was great. And about a year later, my agent calls and she said, I got a great idea for another book for you. Why don't you interview women who are making lots of money? And she starts telling me how great this idea is. And she's talking and I stopped listening. I imagine interviewing these designer dress snobs who are completely intimidating, if not com totally boring to, to interview. And then my agent's still talking. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, Barbara, if this is what you think of successful women, how are you ever going to let yourself become one? So that became a very, um, a very personal challenge for me. So I had no idea. I was a chronic under earner. I had a financial counselor tell me I was an under earner. And I told her, no, I'm not. I'm a writer. Everyone knows writers don't make money. Well, it was interesting because when I wrote Secrets of Six Women, uh, the first out of the first 15 I interviewed, 
women who made six or seven figures or eight figures. Three of them were writers making six and seven figures. And so there went my excuse. And I started making six figures before I even finished writing that book. And so then I wanted to see if I could teach others what I learned. And I wrote my third book, Overcoming Under Earnings. Mm -hmm. So good. And I love how like your personal story and your personal development is intertwined with your career. And I think that's so important, especially for uh, women's leadership and for redefining also what power is. It's like your story is intertwined with what you teach. You're an embodiment of what you teach. And that is so good. And so you know, it's so telling for, for all of us. And then you also mentioned the piece about impact, right? With wealth, wealth is important. It's important on its own, of course, but also it's important for impact. Could you say a little bit more about that? So let me just define yeah. wealth. Yeah. In my thinking, wealth is not an amount. It's a mindset. I know I know women who have millions and they feel financially insecure. I know women who have a lot less and they feel bountiful. Wealth is an attitude. And I define wealth as having more than you need and you know it. When you have more than you need and you know it. And that's the secret because the root word for wealth is wheel, W-E-A-L which comes from the Latin word meaning well-being. Because the whole point of occurring, massing wealth is so you have some personal well-being. So you're not feeling financially insecure and scared and in turmoil. So that, um, that is wealth. And it's not, it's not that you have wealth. It's what you can do with your money that makes a difference. Because one thing that studies have showed us over and over again, we women, once we have enough, once we are financially stable, once we have enough to put food on the table, a roof over our heads, and get, get a mani-pedi every once in a while, once we have enough, we're no longer motivated by money. Yeah, we may want to make more money, but what motivates us is, is the wanting to help others, wanting to make a difference in our community. And that's what money is. Money is simply a tool to let us live our life on our own terms and help others that we love and causes that we believe in. Yeah, so good. And that's when also your notion of sacred success comes into play, right? So what happened? I'll tell you the, the backstory, the sacred success. Uh, after... I, after I wrote Overcoming Under Earning and I was making six figures like every year and I was doing really well. I, one night I woke up in the middle of the night and I just sat up straight and suddenly I had a new goal. I don't know where it came from, but I wanted to make millions, help millions and give millions. And I knew exactly how I was going to do that. Just like I did before. I was going to interview women who made millions and that was going to be my next book. That's great. So I started interviewing all these women who made millions. A great great fun interviews. I had no trouble finding them. When at three years later, I had no book. I was nowhere near making millions. It was 2009, probably one of the worst years I've had financially. And um, I was exhausted. I was exhausted. 
and I didn't know what was going on. And I, I was, I hired a coach and she said, Barbara, you're too into doing. You need, need time for just being. And I knew she was right. And so what I did is I took all those transcripts of my interviews and I went away to a hotel a couple hours from my house and I did a retreat, a four day retreat. And I was determined to see, cause I felt like I missed something in those interviews. It just, it was so strong. I didn't want to give up. And so I started reading those interviews and I saw what I had missed. It just became so clear when I was in a place of peace and quiet. I was so dazzled by what these women were, were doing and how much they were making that I didn't see the real story was how they were doing it. They were playing a very different game than what the world, i.e. men, models. And that's what I called sacred success. And I define sacred success as pursuing your own bliss for your pursuing... Pursuing your soul's purpose for your own bliss and the benefit of others while being richly rewarded. And what I found is these women, it's what I call the paradox of sacred success. There's three levels of financial development. There is survival, stability, and affluence. And survival is not enough. Stability is just enough or almost just enough. And affluence is more than enough. To go from survival to stability, you must have a profit motive. You must want to make money. You must love money. Money's a good thing. So many people, men and women, are ambivalent about or dislike money or the people that have it. So that's what you have to do to get to financial stability. But to go from financial stability to affluence, you must give up profit as your primary goal. It is still an intended outcome. You still want to make money. But you're, what I learned from these women who were making millions, your, your goal, your real goal is greatness. And I define greatness, paraphrasing a quote by Fred Buchner, is that place where your deep gladness, doing what you were put on this planet to do, when your deep gladness meets the world's deep hunger. And that is what sacred success is all about. That's so good. And that definition personally really helped me a lot, especially as I was scaling, you know, beyond stability, where all of a sudden my motive before had been like, oh, I need to make enough money to be stable and then like make these life choices. And then all of a sudden I made those choices and I found, you know, what I was looking for. And then it's like, now what? <laughs> what is the goal now? I wasn't motivated by money anymore. Yes, yes, we are. What motivated you, Claudia? It motivated me. Honestly, my, apart from the desire to make an impact, which is always there, but also like my love of myself, mm. I, I need to really take care of myself. You know, I really need to, you know, make myself a priority. So to have more than enough so that I can, I can have total freedom to really impact other people. But also like, if I want to take a week off, I can. So for you, what motivated you? is freedom. Yes. See, having your why is the way you get to wealth. Yeah. When you have your why and you live your why, like you did. 
That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, so good. Yes, and thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, it was, but I totally know that moment when you're like, oh, I make six figures a year, multiple six figures a year. And I got what I wanted and what I like, you know, I fought for and I'm like, you know, the business, the life partner, whatever. And now what? What am I doing now with myself, you know? But it's such a key moment. And I don't think enough people talk about that moment because so many people are focused on like, how do I make more money? But that's only stage one, as you're saying. There's this other higher level of almost meta metaphysical level. So to me, what I discovered as a financial therapist, wealth coach, is there's four, the financial success is a four-pronged approach. There's the outer work of wealth, which is the practical, you know, how to tell the difference between a stock and a bond and how to negotiate for a raise. All those are important. But if you get stuck there, or if it's not enough there, if there's more, then what's important to go to is what I call the inner work of wealth. And that's the emotional, psychological aspects, you know, really exploring your, your beliefs, your attitudes, uh, how you were raised, the decisions you made that are affecting where you are now. The third prong, which is really critical, I think, especially for women, but for all of us, is what I call the higher work of wealth. And this is the spiritual aspect, because as you and I were talking about, most women are not motivated once we're financially stable. We're not motivated by money. But we were all, I believe here, every single person were put here for a purpose. We each have our purpose. And when you, when you identify your purpose, when you identify what you want, and you know you can use money to help you get that, that's important. And then there's that fourth prong, which just came recently in the past five years for me as I've started putting neuroscience into my work. That's the, what I call the deeper work of wealth. That's the mind brain connection. Because if you wanna change your behavior around money or anything, but you wanna change your behavior, you first have to change your thinking. And until you do that, it's a hard slog. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And as you were speaking, I was still thinking about like, okay, what motivates me now? And I think there is totally that spiritual level in terms of like, oh, I'm just a channel of the message that wants to come through me. And that is that also involves wealth. You know, it's it's expansive and it's in flow and it's totally spiritually channeled. And I just have to surrender to it. So there's this higher metaphysical dimension as well. Yes. And so this, this book, Sacred Success, scared the hell out of me to write. It took me seven years because for me, from the beginning, healing financially, really getting my act together was far more than a practical process. It was a spiritual experience. It was a healing journey. It was a rite of passage into my power. And uh, I think that's important. Yeah. And, uh, and you also talk in the book about A Course in Miracles and how that influenced your path to sacred success yes. in the book, but also like you're expanding, you know, what you talked about in terms of wealth. So the Course in Miracles is a spiritual text whose whole purpose is mind training. 
Training Your Mind to Think Differently. And that book was so important in my healing, but I was scared to tell anybody. Here I was, I was speaking to these financial firms, I was talking about money, and nobody at the time was, well, very few, not in the world I was in, was you know, mixing up spirituality and talking about God and money. So I was very scared to do that. But it just became so strong. It became so strong. I had to do it. So I wrote that book and I came out of my spiritual closet. So good. So how did you know that you had to do it? It's the same reason you knew you had to make more money because you wanted freedom. It's the same way that you knew that you were channeling answers that people needed to hear. It's that urge inside you. I, I just heard Wayne Dyer say, uh, I, I listened to these spiritual videos on YouTube, and he just said, prayer is when you're talking to God. Intuition is when God is talking to you. Mm. And I just had such a strong, intuitive push. It's like the universe was saying, Will you get the hell in going and get that book out? So I did. Yeah, so good. And such a blessing to all of us that you, you know, you follow through on the on the intuition and you delivered such amazing works. Yeah. And so on these four levels, do you think there's one that people should start with, or it depends on the person. Because I know that, for instance, I started with the mindset. I would not have been able to start with stocks and bonds because it would have fried my brain. But maybe it's different for other people. What have you seen in your years of practice in terms of the four levels? The starting point is different with each person. Yeah, But it's kind of like they're braided. I don't know if you can braid four things together, but, but they're braided together. And so you start with where you're at whatever's causing you the pain the pain is pain the most pain is, is where you start addressing that's where I start with my clients yeah and actually where I start with them is I have them write what are what is it they want to accomplish in their work with me mm. because I I want them to be very clear on what they want because it's what I call the power question the number the first place to start if you want to take your power back because most of us have given it away. And you know where you've given your power away. You know how you know? It's where you're unhappy. Wherever you're unhappy is where you've given your power away. To take your power back, you ask the question, what do I want? Now, what do my parents want? Now, what do my kids want? Now, what, do my, what the culture says I want? What do I want? And that's a very hard question to answer. Uh, because not many of us haven't asked that because we've been so conditioned out of us growing up. So that's the place to start. What do I want? And from there, you look at, well, what, what's the next step? Is it, it's usually not the practical, but that's certainly up there, but it's often the psychological. What is keeping me from what I want? What is it in me? What belief, conscious or unconscious? And then certainly the spiritual. Uh, I always, people aren't attracted to me. They don't come to me unless they're spiritual. So I always say, are you bringing God into this or whatever you call your higher power? And most of them don't even put that together, God and money. Even though it's written on our, it's written everywhere in God we trust. 
but still, so that's what I want to bring together. Why do you think God and money are so connected? The church. The church has preached for centuries that, that it's the root of all evil. It has preached, even though the church has amassed billions, <laughs> they preach because that's how. I'm not saying they do this purposely, but the two ways to control people, well, three ways, is by taking away their money, taking away their dress, and taking away their hair. Look at what the army does. Mm -hmm. Ooh, it's a lot. So it's so radical. <laughs> so I really have to take it in to be like, oh, this is rewriting all of that. I think it's important. We need, each of us need to rewrite the way we have been conditioned to believe. Yeah. I just had someone email me today that they heard that rich people, the only reason rich people are rich is because they are lucky or they're evil. Mm. And I said, and she said, why would people say that? Because, it, and they, I said, the only people that say that are the people that are jealous of rich people. Um, where was I going with this? What was the question? I don't know. It was just like, but I I love that also like just, just going because it's so... I, I was just reacting to the thing about the church and trying to control people through, you know, money, taking their power away, cutting their hair. And it was just like so much and so, so big. And just... Was, 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 this, a, was this a new realization to you about the church? Um, not about the church in general. I grew up in Italy, so I I grew up in a Catholic, very Catholic, very institutionalized um country but I'd never heard it phrased that way and maybe I hadn't you know I definitely have my thoughts on how the church uses money but I hadn't articulated it for myself that way and how what you're saying is actually rewriting is, all of is this was this hard for you to hear it wasn't hard I'm I would define myself as spiritual not catholic so I'm very not, I'm very aligned with what, what you're sharing. So, but it's, I was feeling the transformational power of what you're saying and the mm. impact for, for so many. And, um, and I think this connection that you draw between money and God or whatever you want to call, you know, the higher power is so key because Without that, you know, we lose the soul of money. Yes. I think, no, I know God wants us to be prosperous. I I have a line in, uh, which in oh, in Sacred Success, I had a line in the book and I kept taking it out and putting it back in, taking it out and putting it back in. Finally, I decided, okay, I'm going to leave it. And it was so interesting when Sacred Success came out, Publishers Weekly gave it a beautiful review. And they started that review with that line that I was so scared to put in. And the line was, I believe that money is God made visible. Because someone put it like this. I just recently read, I forget, I don't know who said it, but she said, money is the delivery system of our dreams. So I, I would like to detach 
it's not the, the love of money that is the source of evil. It is the lack of self-love that causes evil. That you put $100 on the floor and it can't shoot a gun or bandage a wound. Only we can. Yeah. Yeah, and money, what you're saying is also money is a neutral resource. It's just a resource that is given to us by a higher power to really be fully self-expressed, to really have the impact that we want to have, whatever that looks like for for us. I'm curious. And, and certain, yeah. No, go please on. go ahead. I just certainly, we don't need money to make an impact. Yeah. But even Mother Teresa, even Mother Teresa, she said it takes a checkbook to change the world. Yeah. So even though she lived in poverty, she knew money was important. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And I love that you brought up Mother Teresa, that was also maybe a controversial figure for her use of money as well. And but it's, it's such a powerful example. So I'm curious to hear how has your life changed since writing Sacred Success? I have gotten very open in my spirituality. Mm. Very. My life really hasn't changed since I wrote that, but I have been getting more and more open. That kind of like opened the door for me to talk freely mm. about my spirituality with, along with the practical stuff, you know? And so that's been the biggest thing to come out of the closet. Yeah. That yeah, was very brave. Yeah. Very brave and so big and so huge. So I fully, fully see that so, you know it's all about becoming your authentic self yeah. that is what power is it's living authentically living out loud who you were born to be and taking back all that was conditioned out of you by your parents by the school system by the church by the culture in general yeah and what i discover uh is that there's always new layers and hmm new layers to peel back and new layers to discover. So it's a beautiful unfolding. That's what I love. That's why I love doing this because in talking and addressing issues around money, you're really looking deep inside you. You're really shifting you. You're shifting your behavior. You're shifting the way you think. You're shifting the way you do in the world. And you're shifting most of all how you see yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you say that, you you know, money is the, the tool that I'm using, but I'm actually talking about power, about your authentic self, about being fully self-expressed, which is ultimately what we're all about. So if someone was starting thinking about building wealth, what would be, you know, granted that they could start from many different start points, what would be I your choice? I'm going to tell you what I did. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what I did that I would recommend anybody because it was overwhelming to me. It was absolutely overwhelming. And I'd read the books, go to classes, as I said, and I just, my eyes would glaze over. So I, what I realized, it's small steps consistently taken that lead to the remarkable results. So I did three things consistently, regularly, but in small doses. And if you do these three things, no matter where you're starting from, you will be amazed in three or four months and probably sooner how different you will feel and how different your relationship with money will be. Okay. First, 
every day, read something about money, even if it's just for a minute. Even if you just take the newspaper and you open it up to the business section and you peruse the headlines. Even if you're standing in line at the supermarket, you pick up a, a, a money magazine instead of people and you leaf through it. When you go to bed at night, you take a money book and you read one paragraph because so much of getting smart or smarter about money is just familiar, familiarizing ourselves with the jargon, with the current trends. So every day, that's what I did. I, I subscribed to the Wall Street Journal because I was interviewing these women for my first book who were smart with money and they all were subscribed to the Wall Street Journal. So I subscribed to the Wall Street Journal. Damn, I couldn't understand a word it said. And it was like, it came every day. So what I would do is I would take the section on, on investing and I would put it on the kitchen counter. And every day I'd walk by it and I'd figure I'd pick something up. Well, I'll do the, still do that to this day. It's called the Osmosis School of Learning. So every day read something about money just for a minute or two. Every week have a conversation about money, preferably with someone that knows more than you. And that's what I started doing. Anytime I would meet anyone or I hear somebody speak or I would contact them and I would say, can I ask you some questions? Can I pick your brain? You want to go out for coffee, whatever. And I would ask them, When's the, what, what's the best advice you ever got? What's the worst advice? Um, what's the best decision you ever made? What's the biggest mistake you made? What? How did you get smart? Just ask them questions. And people were so open to talking. It, it, I learned so much because I believe it is our secrecy and silence around money. We may moan about and complain about it, but you know, when's the last time you took a colleague or a friend or a family member out and said, okay, tell me your story. Tell me how you got smart with money. Okay. So every day read, every week talk and every month save automatically. You call the bank, you fill out a form, you do it online, automatically have a small amount transferred from your checking account or your payroll check to a savings account. You don't miss what you don't see and small amounts add up so quickly. And right now, especially at online banks, the interest they're paying is the highest it's been in forever. So every day read, every week talk and every month save. Mm -hmm. You got it. So good and so, so simple. And then it's like you grow exponentially with that I like that you grow exponentially yes by taking baby steps every single day yes. every single week yeah I love that and I know you of course your books are amazing uh I'm gonna link them all in the show notes are there any other places where uh my audience can find you I think the best place is um on my website barbara-husson.com h-u-s-o-n um and, and I have a, a community yeah. it has been going on for four or five years of, of called the Wealth Connection, which is a beautiful sisterhood of women where we can talk openly, safely, honestly about money as women. Yeah. Which would be a great, um, great community to join for everyone listening. So... This was amazing, Barbara. Thank you so much. My last question for you is, and we kind of like touched on it, but what does it mean for you to be a woman with a voice in this day and age? Well, first of all, it means courage. It means having courage. 
<laughs> and courage doesn't mean the absence of fear. Courage means acting in spite of the fear because it takes courage for a woman to use her voice. But it's like any muscle, the more you use it, the stronger it gets. And that's really where our power is. The power is with our words, not just the words we speak, but the words we think. And if you really become conscious, like really hyper vigilant about what are the words going through your head? Are they loving or are they, uh, are they disapproving? Are they critical? And the words that come out your mouth, it's all about speaking truth. When our voice speaks truth, it has power and not everybody likes it. That's why it takes courage. It takes a lot of courage and I love your answer and the truth piece as well, where having a voice is speaking truth and not everyone will like it. Thank you so much, Barbara. It was such an honor to have you on this Sacred CEO podcast. I love talking to you. I really did. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Sacred CEO podcast. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. And please share it with all the women in your circle who can benefit from it. We're building a movement of powerhouse, heart-led, visionary sisters who are choosing to be bold with their voice and build six- and seven-figure transformational businesses based on their authentic voice that create wealth and a legacy for generations to come. And don't forget to subscribe to get access to next week's episode. I'll see you there.